I'd like to welcome you to uh, medical opportunities in East Asia. Uh, and most of the opportunities in East Asia are in uh, restricted access countries. So we'll get on to that in a little bit. I'd like to introduce you to uh, my family. Uh, my wife, Wani, will be here in a few minutes. Uh, Nathan and Kevin are at Colorado State University in engineering. I'd like to take us back to over 30 years ago when I first arrived in Thailand as a new medical missionary. I was in language study in Bangkok. It was, uh, it was a tough time. It was a very good time. And I found out that there was a surgical uh, group called the Royal Thai College of Surgeons. So I went to one of their conferences, and as usual, I like to avoid all the booths and the ads. But I was captivated by uh, a booth on the way into this conference in 1978, uh, which talked about the history of medicine in Thailand. And as I went by, there was a list of all of the firsts in medicine and surgery. There was the first surgical procedure, the first dental procedure, the first blood transfusion, vaccination against smallpox, and then beyond medicine, the printing press and newspaper. And all of those were attributed to one man, one of my heroes, a pioneer in medical missions by the name of Dan Beach Bradley. And he was from New York State, and he arrived in Thailand in 1835. Well, he was one of the first foreigners in Thailand as well, and over time became friends with the king of Thailand, King Mongkut, and became his personal physician. Uh, Dr. Bradley didn't see any hospitals started, but he developed a, a tremendous amount of rapport and goodwill uh, between America and um, Christians and Thai and Buddhists. Um, he can't point to any people who became Christians during his 30 to 40 years in Thailand, but he really set the stage for medical mission in Thailand that has continued until this day. Well, a lot has changed, not only since the day of Dan Beach Bradley in Thailand, but just over the last generation since I went to Thailand in the late 1970s. A generation ago, China was closed, along with Mongolia and Tibet. Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Burma were in turmoil, and the doors were shut. Medical mission a generation ago was still a Western thing, and medical mission was focused primarily on countries, in countries, and in hospitals. Doors that used to be open 50 years, 75 years ago in places like Japan, Korea, Taiwan have closed, not completely closed shut, but a lot of the countries in East Asia have begun to provide their own medical care through government services and private hospitals and clinics. And uh, some of the countries are just more affluent than they used to be. And so medical mission has, has changed. And so we're looking at open doors and closed doors. Uh, I worked in Thailand for over 20 years when the door was wide open, and now most of the medical care in Thailand is taken care of by government hospitals and private hospitals. And anyone wanting to go to Thailand now to work in a medical capacity would need to take the Thai medical license exam, but they won't have the privilege, privilege of taking it in English like I did. They would have to take it in Thai. And so uh, that takes a while. That takes a while, and that's very difficult. 
Well, today we'd like to talk about um, medical opportunities, medical mission in East Asia, and we're basically following Jesus' model. And you can read about that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. This is a passage that I've taken from Matthew 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Good news about him spread all over Syria. So we're talking about a couple hundred miles to the north and northeast. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering some from severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Jordan followed him. And this was the ministry of Jesus, and this was the beginning. And we follow his model, and we try to serve like him and have compassion on the people that we are um, serving. Well, I want to give you an overview of uh, medical opportunities. Um, and one of the things that you need to know, you're here, I assume, because you're interested in East Asia and not Africa. And one of the things that you need to know about ministry in East Asia, medical ministry in East Asia, is that it's very different from Africa. And if you know that already, good. If you don't, you'll find out some of the ways in which they're different. Uh, for one thing, today, um, the last statistic that I heard was that probably 40% of all the medical care provided on the continent of Africa is provided by Christians in Christian hospitals and mission hospitals. And if you know East Asia, you'll know that that's not the case, and a very small percentage, small, very small fraction of care is provided by mission institutions or missionaries or professionals who are Christians who are not missionaries. Another way in which ministry in East Asia is very different from Africa is that um, some of the um, Christians in the countries of East Asia are themselves provide, beginning to pro provide medical care. And we'll show some examples of that. I've called it indigenous medical mission or indigenous medical care by Christian professionals. One of uh, my experiences in OMF International, where I was a national director for the last 10 years, is that most medical personnel, uh, doctors, nurses, and paramedical personnel, <coughs> Uh, they joined OMF because they were more interested in reaching an unreached people group than they were in primarily using their medical skills. It doesn't mean they weren't interested in being a doctor or a nurse there, but they were primarily interested in reaching an unreached people group. And we'll go into that a little bit as we uh, tell our story. Another thing is that most of the doctors who have come through our candidate course over the last 10 years, uh, didn't really know what they were going to be doing until they got there. And so someone would go to East Asia, they'd go to a major city, they'd enter language school, and they'd study the language of the country. And many of them during that period of time would do some traveling, they'd meet friends, they'd meet people who had been there for a while, and they'd hear about a people group, the Tai Lu, the Bu Yi, the Dai, um, the Lisu. And they'd think, oh, I want to focus on that people group. How am I going to use my medicine? And they'd find out. And so most of the uh, medical people who are going into East Asia these weeks, months, and years are going as pioneers. Most of them are doing something new. 
that hasn't been done before in the area where they are going. So that's, for, that's for very different. If someone comes to me as a representative of OMF International and says, I want to be a general surgeon, plastic surgeon, internist in a hospital in a mission setting, I'd say, uh, why don't you go to my friends at SIM, where they have uh, over a dozen hospitals in Africa, and then you can work like that. But today we're talking about East Asia, which is different, and that's one of the main things that you, that you need to know. So first of all, just some examples uh, from three areas in East Asia where people are doing their own work. Green Hills Christian Fellowship. Uh, they go a couple hundred miles in their, within their own country uh, to provide medical care, dental care, nursing care, basic public health. You might think that this is a, uh, a church in Los Angeles or New York or Auckland um, or Sydney, but it's not. It's a large church in Manila who is reaching to other people groups within the Philippines. They're not necessarily going to reach the Tagalog people in South, in South um, Philippines. They're reaching Muslim people groups. Some, some of them urban poor and meeting their needs. And it was wonderful to see that, um, oh, so you see the dental chair, uh, extractions, good to go, and blood pressure monitor, and uh, helping people w with where they need help. Christians reaching out to Muslims in a country where that's done, but it's still very dangerous. Uh, the uh, local mayor, you might say, um, in Rio Hondo, was talking about the good cooperation between Christians and Muslims. And, of course, we hope that that will continue. A way of outreach, a way of building bridges, uh, breaking walls of animosity and building bridges of hope. This is a purely Filipino uh, outreach, not instituted by missionaries. Maybe they had uh, developed the vision from uh, missionaries who were in their area in the past, but they are reaching out. Uh, the hospital where I worked for over 20 years, Monterum Christian Hospital, closed about five years ago. It is now a clinic. And Dr. Wirat, with whom I worked for many years, um, is now the, uh, the doctor working that clinic. Uh, they're underwater right now. If you've read the, uh, the news, you know that Thailand has had uh, some of the worst floods in over 60 years. And the last we heard, it's still under two to three feet of water. Uh, but Dr. Wirat following in the footsteps of uh, Westerners who love the Lord, who were doctors and nurses, uh, who paved the way. And he reaches out to the uh, rice farmers and the um, vendors in uh, central Thailand. One of our neighbors and great friends was Dr. Wirapan. He, went to, he first went to Modern Christian Hospital in the early 1980s. He was a general practitioner but he wanted to specialize, and so we subsidized his going to Hadassah University in Jerusalem. And he learned ophthalmology, and after he had been doing ophthalmology for just a few years, it was his vision to start a mobile eye clinic and go to uh, government hospitals in Thailand and to go to some of the smaller uh, mission hospitals and do uh, op ophthalmology there. And so this was his vision. This wasn't given to him by anyone else. And so he's gone to multiple sites in, in Thailand. So uh, there are also examples from tai Taiwan. There's a Christian hospital in, in southern Taiwan, Ping, Pingtung, 
if you know Taiwan, and they've sent missionaries to many countries around the world. And they're also uh, a hospital, World Venture Hospital, um, Bethesda Hospital in Indonesia, reaching out to the Batak people there. And uh, they have mobilized Indonesian prof uh, professionals to work as doctors and nurses in their hospital. Well, I talked about many doctors who have joined us recently have joined us because of our vision. Well, what is our vision? It's to see God glorified by seeing indigenous biblical church movements in every people group where we work, reaching out and sharing the gospel locally and beyond their neighborhood cross-culturally. Cross and so we yearn to see this movement of people groups who become primarily Christian and then want to reach beyond their borders and reach other peoples. And we've seen this happen historically, and we're seeing it happen in different parts of East Asia right, right now. So the vision. There are lots of things that I, I can't say, uh, so I'm going to try to say them in a little bit different way. I can't tell you who's working where and the name of the place. Uh, it doesn't work in East Asia. But I can tell you that uh, there have been uh, medical professionals working in dozens of people groups in most countries in East Asia, places where you really can't imagine. If I told you where some of these people worked, uh, I'd have to shoot you, or maybe you'd shoot me, or somebody would shoot me. So when I come to talk about what the people are doing, I won't be mentioning a country or a place unless it's an open access country, and I have a few examples of that. So I'm going to go through a repertoire of people. And some people have been at this conference within the last couple of years, and maybe some of you have met them, just to show you what opportunities are possible, the art of the possible, in what's going on in East Asia today. And so um, some of the peoples, the Buyi people, the Lisu people, the Yi or the Nasu people, the Han Chinese, the Tai Lu people group, the Vietnamese people, the Amdo-Tibetan people, the peoples of Yunnan and Sichuan provinces, Dr. David and Laura Narita are from California. They're both doctors. And uh, they were, when I visited them six, seven years ago, they were doing language study in Nam in Penh. And uh, they had a heart for reaching out to medical students, which they did. And uh, since their language study, they've moved to Siem Reap. And if you're a tourist or you know some of the uh, uh, Buddhist temple attractions, they live very close to Angkor Wat. And uh, some of the things that they've done in their first term, I think they just went back about a year ago, uh, they re reached out to students, as I said, did local hospital work and clinics in the hospital, and they translated where there is no doctor into the Khmer language all in their first term. Pretty ambitious first term for David and Laura and their family. Uh, Craig Mallow is a dentist, and he works in the northeast uh, part of Cambodia among the Grung and the uh, Brow people groups. Doesn't do a lot of dentistry. He's doing mostly evangelism and discipleship. But he has spent some of his time teaching in the university in Phnom Penh. 
teaching dentistry. And so what percentage of evangelism and discipleship and what percentage of dentistry, I don't know. But I'll ask Craig the next time I see him. Randy Adams is living in Taipei right now, working in the clinic uh, of a government hospital there and planning churches among the working class. He's working in the Wanwa uh, di district of, of Taipei. And he and his wife, uh, Janet, have three sons. Mary Jean and Paul Buttry um, are getting ready to retire, but they've been in uh, Taiwan for close to 30 years. Uh, Mary Jean's a doctor. She's a medical educator. She's been teaching at uh, Mackay Hospital in Taipei, and she's also been a, me a medical advisor. If some of you are a little bit older, closer to my age than uh, – or closer to my age than half my age, uh, maybe you'd want to consider – providing medical care for missionaries, either at home in the States or in the field in a capital city like uh, Tokyo, Taipei, Bangkok, Singapore. Jeff and Laura Henney were, uh, Jeff was here last year. The whole family was here two, two years ago. Uh, I don't know if you saw him or met him, but he's doing language uh, study at present in uh, his country, and we just got a letter from him saying that he is asking for uh, doctors who want to spend some time in medical education in a, in a university hospital in the capital city where he lives uh, to be able to teach and to build relationships. Maybe some of you would like to uh, go with him in his country for a year or two and do short-term work and reach out through translation. Uh, David is here. I don't know if he's made it today, but if he gets here, I'll ask, I'll ask him to share a few minutes about the work that he does with his family. Uh, he's a doctor. His wife's a lawyer, and they're working in uh, East Asia, as are uh, Dr. Carol and Jonathan Lee. There are many medical opportunities in East Asia. It's just a little bit hard to talk about it. And so here's uh, Dr. Don Hastings signing a micro-enterprise contract with an AIDS patient. He's been working with AIDS education and program with local health officials in his part of East Asia. And uh, Dr. Don taught me a lot. He was in the first candidate course when I was national director. He was a doctor, and I thought, wow, maybe he'll go back to the hospital where I was. And so I showed him the slides and talked about Modern Christian Hospital in central Thailand. And he said, Neil, thank you. Um, I went to Tenwick Hospital for a rotation. Had a great time. But I don't care if I ever set foot into a hospital again. And he meant as a doctor, not as a patient. He said, I really like your vision. And my goal is to use my medical skills to reach an unreached people group. And at that point, 10 years ago, he knew our vision better than I did. And I thought maybe he was the exception, but most of the physicians and the nurses who have come to us recently have come because of um, that, kind of a, that kind of a vision. So Don and Maggie, he went single, met Maggie there. They got married, and now they have two lovely daughters. He wrote a prayer letter. Uh, and which we got just a, which I got just a couple days ago, and I'll read you just a little bit of it. We're planning to end our HIV project in two and a half years. At that time, we will have spent six years on the project. 
and will have carried out our HIV prevention in every village in the county. One of our goals for the next two and a half years is to help our staff to develop visions for their lives and equip them to carry out their visions so when the project ends, they can leave our work and start their own ministries. Several, several of our staff are already making plans to do this. So there's a man with vision, following a vision, to be involved in what God is doing among the peoples in East Asia. Uh, Dr. Mark and Grace Zimmerman from uh, central rural Pennsylvania. Uh, Dr. Cedric and Wendy Chung, reaching two uh, people groups, uh, actually doing language study right, right now. And this couple, again, if I uh, told you where they're working, uh, I'd have to show you. Uh, you wouldn't believe it. But there they are, and another couple prepa preparing to go to the same uh, country now in language and culture study. This is a young lady, a, a nurse, again, uh, working with one people group where there are quite a few Christians doing discipleship and evangelism, but teaching that people group to reach non-Christians in a neighboring people group. In some parts of East Asia, there are uh, several people groups living in one village, and they may or may not have a lot of contact. But the Christians have a vision to reach beyond uh, their own houses, their own homes, their neighborhoods their boundaries. And so Tina has a, a remarkable ministry there. And again, reaching out to an M people in East Asia, Bethany Frazier, also from Pennsylvania. Well, I've said a lot, uh, showed a lot of pictures. Uh, going to go into some more in, in a bit, but wanted to know if you have any comments or questions or observations at this point that maybe uh, we can address. Yes. So how do people get in on um, creative passports or visas or obviously not as medical men? Or? Thank you. Uh, the question was, so how do people get in? Except for the two countries that I mentioned, Taiwan and Cambodia, um, there are a few other what we call open access countries. We use the word closed or restricted or creative access. These countries uh, don't like the word missionary. They don't accept missionaries but they need professionals. And these professionals may be uh, doctors, nurses, they may be animal husbandry experts or agronomists, um, teaching IT, teaching English, business administration. Uh, they could be professionals of any kind, but we're talking about doctors and nurses today. And so the, the governments of the country and the local governments will accept them and give them visas for the professional skills that they take to their people. And most of them are working in rural areas, not exclusively. So they're accepted because of their professional qualifications. In China, for example, many of the officials know that the people they're accepting to work there are Christians. Turn a blind eye, they don't care, uh, but they want the professional expertise. And so there's been a very good working relationship with many of these countries. And uh, in the counties where they're working, the professional work that they're, that, that they're doing. Thank you for asking that question. Very good. Yes, sir. How, how are we finding what? How are we finding the opportunities? Um, 
sort of um, smoke, um, smoke signals, people you know. Um, I'd say that the organization, say our organization has a number of um, professional Christians in one area. We would also get to know professional Christians from other mission agencies that are in that area. And uh, the, word, the word gets out. Uh, one of the, uh, the next stage we have is opportunities. And I'm going to show you a picture of a medical university where you can go online and you can sign up to work there. You can sign up to take courses there. You can sign up to uh, teach medical English, for example. So it's word of mouth. Uh, and one of, the, one of the advantages, tremendous advantages of a conference like this is when you go to the booths, you will meet representatives from dozens of mission agencies. And so you'll want to be thinking not only what are the opportunities, but what are the vehicles by which I can get there. And each one of these uh, mission agencies will have uh, their little their turf, their area of expertise, an area where they know what's going on and where things can be done. Does that help? Yeah, yeah thank you. Sir? Uh, could, could you give us a snapshot of how the medical missions then translate to uh, discipleship and church planting uh, in limited or creative access countries? Yeah. I don't have an example, for example, um, Don, Don Hastings. Uh, he ha he's very discreet in his prayer letters, but I'm assuming that people have been led to the Lord. You know, um, okay, he's not going to be standing on a street corner and preaching, but it doesn't mean that he won't be going to a Starbucks in his county and his city and talking with people, sharing with them. Uh, in some countries, uh, the people of, uh, of that country in East Asia, they're very eager to ask, you're a foreigner. I mean, why are you here? What are you doing? And sometimes they'll say, are you a Christian? Uh, do you believe in God? And uh, many times the exchange starts and people come to know the Lord. So it's not a mass evangelism where we're talking about, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people coming to the Lord. But it's a one-by-one -one influence um, of integrity, of, of values, of loving patience, showing compassion, this, this, is, this is the foundation. This is the basis for the ministry that's, that's taking place now. Uh, there was a hand over here. Yes, sir. Are there any, Rick. Uh, are there any countries in East Asia that are just off limits, not only to Christians, but to medical professionals? As you were saying, let's kind of step into the country. Are there, are there countries that are so restricted they don't want anyone? Let me just look at a map again. Um, where's my map? Let me just look at this. Okay, I'm looking at the map. And I don't see any countries on that map uh, that don't allow professional. I don't see any uh, countries on that map that don't allow professionals in to do some kind of work. And, um, I mean, Japan, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, they don't need doctors. I mean, they have excellent medical care. And as a matter of fact, many Westerners are going to some of those countries, the capital cities in those countries, to get um, elective surgical procedures done. So when you look at the countries that are not so well off as those, there's not one country that you're looking at here that doesn't have Christian professionals. If I may ask a follow-up. Yes. Are there countries that uh, persecute perhaps Christians where they're not, they may allow medical treatment in their country normally, but there are people groups that don't get it? Are there, so the question is, are there countries where there is persecution of Christians? Here's what I really in particular, like in Thailand, 
guys actually, would they give medical treatment to the people who weren't their people? They do, um, but that's one of the reasons why we had Christian hospitals in Thailand. Uh, we, our hospital was in central Thailand. We had tribal people from North Thailand who found it hard to get care in the government hospitals that were close by. They would travel three, 400 miles to go to a Christian mission hospital because they know that they would be accepted. And so we hope that that example over 40 to 50 years um, has spread into Thai government hospitals, Buddhist influence, and we think, we think it has been. I think there is less discrimination. I think there is more care and more sensitivity to people with disabilities, even in Thailand, than, than, than there was before. Yes, in the background. Uh, I'm not going to repeat the question, and I'm not going to answer it, but if you think of the, what I just said, uh, that applies to every country that you can see there. Yeah. Yes, sir. The question is uh, certification for medical practice, licensure in the countries in East Asia. Um, I told you that Taiwan is an open country, but uh, to get a license, to get a medical license in Taiwan, you need to take the medical exam, the medical license examination in Mandarin. Uh, you may be able to do that. Most of the white faces here are not going to be able to do that. And we've actually had uh, missionary doctors leave Taiwan who they got there the year after they changed the rule. Um, and that makes it very difficult. I gave you the example of uh, Thailand. Most of the other countries that I know of, um, like the big country in uh, East Asia, they, the, the people that I've heard who are there, they get annual licenses granted by the local governments. I don't know of anyone who's gotten a lifetime license in that big country. So it's a year-to-year, -year and you don't know if you're going to be able to be there for four or five years. But, uh, and why is that possible in that country? It's because of re it's not politics. It's not religion. It's relationships that have been built up from people who were there even back in the 30s and 40s. And there are relatives of, uh, of uh, government officials who are still there who remember what the Christians did. So we're really standing, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants and, and um, a legacy that's been tremendous in this part of the world. And that's one of the reasons why we can do the things that we're, that we're doing now. Thank you for that good question. Let me hold off on questions right now. There'll be another time. I'm kind of looking at the clock. Uh, we have a few more minutes of talking about some of these things, and then uh, we'll get back to some more questions and comments and try to get you all. Ooh, where was I? Okay. So, I mean, in one sense, you're asking me, what are the opportunities? Uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a little fuzzy. But uh, there are many, many opportunities. I didn't tell, uh, yeah, I, I should have, when I went through the, all those pictures, uh, there are a, a number of people involved in AIDS work. A number of people have found work in local hospitals, in clinics. Um, and they found it. It wasn't something um, mission agency organized. There are several organizations um, in the large country that are recognized by the government. But just, just to be super 
secure and sensitive right now. I'm not, you might have seen the names. I'm not going to mention the names. But uh, most people are very free to talk about them because they've been government-initiated uh, recognition of uh, Western ministries but have government recognition in that country. And so, in a sense, it's open, but we don't want to flaunt uh, the sensitivity of people working there. We don't want them to get kicked out, and that has happened and can happen again. Uh, I mentioned medical education. Um, we had um, a three, uh, doctor go there for three years and um, teach. And I just pulled this off the Internet this morning because uh, I got an email from another organization where a student was asking about, well, what can I do in this city? And uh, they sent this website, and uh, this is off the website. And you can, you can Google that place, and you can find out what's available, and they'll give you a six-week rotation there. And there are many other large cities with university centers where this kind of opportunity is available. Now, it's the, uh, it's the Christians in the area that are, that are talking about this, that are, that are paving the way, opening the doors, seeing the, the possibilities of these kinds of things happening. Well, what are the challenges? Um, and I think I've mentioned most of uh, what I need to say now. But you can see medical mission in East Asia is very different from Africa. It's not hospital-based. It's not even clinic-based. Many of the people who are going there now are going as pioneers. They don't really know what they're getting into. Uh, and the, it's kind of like the, um, the garden or the, the fertile garden of where a lot of the opportunities are learned is when these people go to big cities to do their language study. And it's during the language study that they go and they visit colleagues. They visit people that have been there for a term, two terms. They know the, uh, the major language of the country. They might know a second language of the people group in the area. And uh, they, share, they share these things and they learn. And then again, um, focus on reaching unreached people groups and glorifying God in that, in that way. Uh, we've talked about uh, medical license in the country. Uh, it's very difficult, and many of them, and many of the smaller countries that are a little bit hard to get into, uh, I, I don't even know that medical licenses are an issue now. They just want people who know something to be able to help local people in the villages. If you already speak the language of the country that you're interested in going to in East Asia, so much the better for opportunities with uh, agencies that I'm not going to mention right now. So summary, closed doors. When I went to uh, Thailand 33 years ago, Thailand was wide open and were accepting doctors and nurses. Within one year, uh, nurses, expatriate nurses were not being accepted. Within three years, doctors were not being accepted. And uh, very similar things have happened in other countries. And so the, the, um, the playing field has changed tremendously. So some of the opportunities that I've mentioned, just in summary, to, to bring to, to your attention again, student ministry, local government, hospital work, translation work, dentistry, community development, public health, AIDS ministry, uh, being a medical advisor for a mission agency. Uh, one of our doctor couples from Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania went to a high-altitude city in the western part of East Asia 
And as a result of that, he learned high-altitude me- medicine, which were not, not many medical students are taught that, or and maybe residents are, but not in medical school. And so today is a very new day uh, for medical mission. A lot of evolution, a lot of change, a lot of opportunities, and a lot of ways in which uh, we can glorify God there. So in some ways I've been specific, in some ways I've been purposefully vague, but hopefully hopefully you understand why I've had to be vague about some of what's uh, going on there. Questions? Yes? The question is, in order to reach unreached people groups in this large area in East Asia, what are some of the specialties that are practical? I think uh, the, the more basic, the better. I think family practice is probably the one that has the most. Anybody who's been there have any other ideas? I think family practice is probably the best. And in some of the large countries in East Asia, South Asia, family practice really hasn't been recognized as a legitimate specialty. And so some of the leaders are helping to initiate um, new specialties in uh, that country and in India. And uh, what a step forward. What a step forward in these countries. If you're going to uh, obstetrics and gynecology, pediatrics, internal medicine, family practice, if you, um, I was in Philadelphia talking to some medical students and uh, nursing students. And they're asking, well, I want to be a general surgeon. I want to go to East Asia. And I'm saying, um, I don't know. I don't know. You can also say that I met a business lady who had traveled in the western part of East Asia and had met um, a, a Chinese doctor who was starting hospitals. He's not a Christian, starting for-profit private hospitals, but he wanted to recruit Christians. Now, is that something that we want to do? I don't know. Uh, do you get stuck in a hole where you can't really practice the kind of compassionate care, ba- you know, focused on the, you know, the sanctity of life, the value of life? I don't know. But uh, I mention it because we don't know what kind of opportunities might be out there four or five years from now, ten years from now. Uh, there may be more. It might shut down completely. It's, it's changing all the time. And so we're kind of doing a cross-section to put under the microscope today uh, to look at some of the things that are going on right now. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we support a, a mission that brings people from one of these limited access countries out of their country for three months at a time. Uh, three years in a row they do that, and they become barefoot doctors in their country with the medical skills that they're taught during those three months. Um, that's been going on maybe 20 years, and there are 150 people trained like that now. Is anybody else doing something like that where they bring people out of one of these countries and give them the training and send them back? The question is, uh, the organization that the gentleman works for is, um, has, over the last several years, um, offered the opportunity for 150 doctors uh, in unreached parts rural parts of East Asia to train them as barefoot doctors outside of the country and then send them back in. And that's worked for them. Do I know of other organizations who do that? No, I'm afraid I don't. But I know that, that uh, some organizations are, are training very rural people in some of the large cities of East Asia, the basics of being a barefoot doctor or nurse. And many of these maybe have a middle school or high school education. 
and they're trained as, you know, in basic village techniques, and then they're sent back to their more rural people group that's, than where they trained. That's what that program is. It's oh, people yes. from the different tribal groups. But they're being trained in the same country. They're being taken out of their country for three months at a time. Oh, okay. Well, what I'm talking about. taught there. Okay. What I'm talking about is happening in that, in that country. Um, that sounds like a great program, as long as, long as they're going back. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yes, sir. Do I know of residency programs in East Asia where uh, residents are actually paid to work there? At a secular government hospital somewhere in East Asia. I don't know of that, but I'm, I'm sure it must happen. I, I don't know. Um, I could try to find out. Is, has, has, has David come? No. Uh, yeah, David Liang may know that. Stop by our booth, and uh, we have a physician who's, who works in that big country who, who might know something about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pharmacy is one of the one of the uh, paramedical specialties that's very important. Uh, I I don't know of opportunities. I think that again that David may know of that. I, I know that there are Christian pharmacists that are working, but right now at this point I don't know of any opportunities. They are there, but I'm just not aware of them. Yeah. Again. I'm yeah. Sorry. I, I did introduce somebody that I should have. One of the barefoot doctors is actually here from Burma, and uh, grateful that he's able to be here and be part of this conference. Uh, but he's been doing that about 20 years, so that's welcome. It's, it's it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, back back row. Yes. Well, I mean, most of the physicians that I'm talking about are members of OMF in, in, International, and uh, the support development is going on in churches in the United States. And so if I were speaking at a church in a congregation, and let's say the uh, message was going to be on the radio, then I'd be as purposefully vague as I am being right now. Uh, if I'm at a small meeting where everybody knows everyone else, then I would mention all the countries and what they're doing, and it would be a lot more exciting. Um, so that 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 can be done. Yeah. Oh, those those churches would know. Yeah, those churches would know. But you know, when one of those missionaries in a sensitive place sends a, a prayer letter home, uh, those prayer letters will not be on a bulletin board. They will not be passed around. Many times they won't even be printed out, or they won't go out of the room where they've been praying for them. Uh, because we take the security issues very seriously, very seriously, because people have been thrown out of these countries. But the churches know. The churches know. But, it, but uh, they won't know because of something that was preached from the pulpit and then is heard on the radio. That still happens, but we don't want it to happen. Yes. Just a few more comments. Uh, just a couple more minutes. 
So medical mission is very different from the past, but alive and well in the 21st century. Both Western and Asian medical professionals display the creativity and flexibility necessary to spread the gospel in very diverse settings. Um, as I mentioned, we were with some um, young professionals in inter uh, Center City, Philadelphia, just on Tuesday night. It was very exciting to have them ask the questions that they were asking. There were medical students, dental students, um, sorry, nursing students, paralegal uh, students, engineers, and all of them excited about mission. And they and they were asking, so what do I, what do we do to prepare? You know. And, and they're right in the middle of a period of life that's extremely difficult and very, very, very taxing. And I think that the um, that of all the things that someone can do, you think of, well, all the professional things and you need to study and do your training, but to maintain a close walk with the Lord. And I think that's why I like this conference, uh, the Christian Medical, uh, the uh, Global Medical Health, Health Conference, that's why I like CMDA. It was CMDS when I was in medical school many years ago, and uh, I learned so much about ethics, and uh, I had doctors who loved the Lord, who came to our medical school, who gave devotions, who challenged us in our spiritual lives uh, to keep us very close to the Lord during the training years, the formative years. And I think of anything else you can be doing, that is the, that is the foundational thing that you need to continue to do to keep your walk with the Lord very, 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 very close. And then we talk about six ways or six practices of mission, and these are other things that you can be focusing on, keeping your mind on. While you're in preparation, as you're considering the many options and opportunities that the Lord might have for you, um, what a great opportunity to learn while you're here visiting the booths. Go to the back of your book and just circle the agencies where you want to talk to somebody. Um, read a medical mission bi biography. And if you want some recommendations, come and see me afterwards or down at the OMF International booth. Welcome international students. Get to know them. Um, pray individually. Join a group. Start a group. Oh, sorry. Um, you can choose a medical missionary or any missionary. You can begin to support them financially now, even even while you're in debt in medical school and residency, you can, you can select $100 a year, $50 a year, $20 a month. Begin to support uh, people who are serving the Lord right now and get into a good, a good habit that will serve you well throughout your life. Mobilize. Talk about the world. Talk about East Asia. Talk about where your heart is, where your, where your passion is. And then go. Go. Take a vision trip. Think of a people group. Think of a city. Think of a country. Think of a county. Think of a mission organization that you want to have an experience with. Go and see them and ask how you can uh, visit a possibility of where you might like to go. Jeff Henney, I showed you his picture. He was here last year. He and his wife took a trip and visited uh, two or three countries in Southeast Asia about two and a half years ago. And from that trip and asking questions and probing he decided on one country out of the other three where he would go, where at that point there is, no, there is no such thing as medical missions. And he didn't know of any other Christian medical professionals who were there. But since he's gone there, he's met some and started to pray together and uh, has seen God begin to work in a pioneering situation. So God bless you. Uh, that's all I have to say. Are there any final questions or comments anyone would like to make? 
Thank you for coming. God bless you. The Lord uh, bless East Asia, and maybe in two or three years, some of you will be there. Thank you.